Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the studios of WBNS Radio in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. Daniel, what do you think of when I say what we do in the shadows? Uh, well, until you and I talked about this a few weeks ago, uh, I didn't, I had heard it as being this like runaway hit. Uh, but I had not exposed myself to it at all uh, because I didn't want to get arrested. No, um, because I just didn't know what anything about it. But you were like, "No, we should like this is this is kind of a you know this is movie and then there's this new this series that's a couple years old or has been going on for a couple years, and of course they're nominated for these Emmys, so we should mm-hmm. talk about it. Um, this is also comes in the midst of you f- feeling that I don't enjoy any sort of comedy, um, and so. This is you recommending another comedy to me. <laughs> so I humorless Daniel giving it a shot. Humorless Daniel trying to enjoy laughter, but it's it has surprised me in all the best ways, which I want to talk about as we get into it. But like, so tell me about your your introduction, your experience with this. For first the movie, I assume, and then the show, or the show in exclusion of the movie. The movie was first, so just like. By perusing YouTube and stuff. And I watch a lot of like movie review type people and just people who talk about movies in general. And this one had come up a few times. And then I mentioned it to Jen, who's like, she's like really like Anglophile ish. Um, and so this is, you know, these guys are New Zealand, but there's like a similarity there, obviously. Mm-hmm. So she had already seen it and she's like, oh, that movie's really funny. And this was probably three years ago or so. And she's like, we should see it. And then it might have been, it was right around the time of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Because Taika Waititi directed the movie and he he created the, the movie and the characters with uh, Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords, who's, who is somebody I was familiar with, you know, well before this because of something like Flight of the Concords. And he had a bit of a movie run too. But either way, I was like, okay, that Thor Ragnarok movie was really good. Uh, I'll definitely give this a shot. And I watch it and it's like a mockumentary of, these vampires living in uh, whatever city in New Zealand. And it's pretty funny. I really enjoyed it. So then as time went on, I just started seeing previews for the, for the television show. And I was like, well, I'll give it a shot because I like the movie. And I believe Tiger Waititi, I think has directed a few episodes, but I think Jermaine Clement is the one who's given like credit for creating the TV show. Yes. Um, but either way, I, I checked it out and we loved the first season. And then the second season just finished up earlier this year. And uh, I've told people this many times and I believe it. I think it's the funniest show on television right now. I'm inclined to agree with you. I, so as, as I said, we've talked about, I didn't, I don't really appreciate Will Ferrell and, and comedy of that ilk. Usually I'm, I'm not, I'm sure there are exceptions, but this this hits all the right buttons for me. This is, mm-hmm. I, I very much thought about the IT crowd um, because especially because of Matt Barry, who I love. Anytime Matt Barry is in something, I know that I'm going to enjoy at least his character. Yeah. He's. I know you haven't seen all the episodes. There's an episode in the second season with him that just the arc of that episode is ridiculous. And uh, 
what's his name? Luke Skywalker is actually a guest star. Mark Hamill. In that episode. Yeah. Mark Hamill. Yeah. And well, and Matt Berry plays this very particular type of character really well, which is the self-aggrandizing and simultaneously like oafish. Uh, mm-hmm. The character who really thinks a lot of himself, but also is just everyone else kind of looks at him as a, a moron. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of a joke. Yeah, they just yeah. So no, I I think you know as you said, I, I've kind of been gearing up and, and ramping up as we were going to record this episode. So I'm not all the way through, um, mm-hmm. but have really loved it. And I, I just think there's something so wonderful about. The anachronism of vampires are always shown as being so like sexy and mysterious. Yeah, and to and have like they they try to put those details in there, but they just tilt it just enough where it's like clearly this isn't what we actually think is sexy. Right, it's not right now. Yeah, well, and I, I enjoy too that they um like especially when they start talking about these like hot sexual relationships, how it's very it's reminiscent of um. The characters from SNL, Lava, where it's like, oh, it's, you're sharing just a little bit, <laughs> maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they uh, they're definitely overshares with that. And then Matt Berry's uh, character, Laszlo, and his wife, vampire Nadja, they as time goes on, they really they really start to get into some pretty explicit yeah. things that they've done. For sure. Well, and it's been, and every time they talk about the Baron and <laughs> I lost it, maybe the hardest when they're like, you know, you're in the moment, you're at climax, then he gives you orders. And how am I supposed to remember that? <laughs> that was it's very funny and, and a very particular like kind of manipulation that you start to to mm-hmm. associate with that character. Yeah. So you get you get certain things from it, the anachronisms, which creates fish out of water humor um, and just little things that unless you're thinking of the idea of somebody being plucked from a different century and being thrown in there that you just won't notice it. And I think that's where like they, they hit their best comedy is just stuff that wouldn't even be on your radar, but when they say it, it makes sense for their character. So it's not just out of the blue random for no good reason, but it's just something that was not registering with you at all. Sure. I also think too, the way they combine this very fantastical idea of like vampires trying to take over Staten Island um, mm-hmm. which could be played as a serious, especially if you did it as a period piece, could be played as a serious film. Like you could, I could foresee yeah. a film in which it's very reminiscent of the Dracula novel, Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, where mm-hmm. Dracula essentially moves to London to try to take over or like make his name there. And that's the plot. Well, there's a, uh, I think, um, I think it's Nandor who is said to actually have been Jack the Ripper. Yeah, exactly. And and having them like inserted into those. Well, I, I like too that he's sort of the um the Vlad the Impaler uh sort of avatar for of this yeah. group too. Nandor the Relentless. Exactly. And hey, that he's, you know, this this Ottoman Turk that was I would have been on the opposite side of Vlad the Impaler who was fighting for Christianity, but I like that. I think that's a nice touch. That they're not just they're taking these different kinds of vampires and and also little bits of like do vampire lore from different cultures, not just mm-hmm. vampires themselves from different parts of the world, but like playing a little bit with the different cultural uh, versions of vampires. Yeah. And they kind of put it in a world where like everything that has been written about vampires is true yeah. because vampires do exist. And that's where these stories come from. But also taking the tropes that you recognize from like films especially um mm-hmm. the the uh the hissing with the fangs out 
is constantly. You, it's very have good. Have you seen? Uh, have you seen Lazlo turn into a bat yet? Yeah, bat. <laughs> I love how he just shouts bat and starts flying away. Also, the first time you see it, he like smacks into a light post, which is yeah. very, you know, very good character note. The other piece they do that uh, creates a lot of humor um, is the mundanity of just being roommates. For sure. And they like have like a house meeting and stuff like that. And they're like, you have to clean up your blood after you have a feeding. Yeah. Just, you know, things that, yeah, they just put the vampire tilt on it. Mark it with a permanent marker. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and of course, in that situation, Colin Robinson is. <laughs> the best so part good. about it is because the time they're from, they're very formal and titles are important. So they always call him Colin Robinson. Exactly. <laughs> Full name. <laughs> And, and and this idea of of a psychic vampire, which is like a guy who, an energy vampire, yeah, right, who just kind of forces himself into this coven isn't the right word, but group of vampires. <laughs> it when really anyone from our period would just sort of recognize him as being a jerk. <laughs> he's, he's like not even he's not even really a vampire he's just kind of a jerk <laughs> just like the guy at the office you don't want to talk to so when he walks in you kind of just put your head down but he zeroes in on all those people and steals all their energy by boring them to death yeah and you talked about the mundanity i loved like the city council uh that whole idea of the city council and um at first, I thought that that was real footage because they make it look like it's real CCTV footage of a city council meeting. Mm -hmm. And of course it isn't. But I just love them in that in that environment. It's very funny. And especially Colin Robinson, who, you know, during that meeting, they go to get up and he's like, oh, you can't stand up if you know what I mean. It's <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> when they like uh, when they're like getting ready to go out and they have to go into the city and they just don't they haven't they just haven't picked up on any of things which is like they live in this world and they're just so set in their ways sure and i think that just inspires a lot of the pieces that crack you up and just the way they dress and all that stuff and and i don't find myself getting tired of the anachronistic humor too in a way that yeah. like could could probably get old but um you know from from them saying they're dressing down to go out for a walk or like um the creepy paper was <laughs> very but then at the same time they're also like he talked about glitter vampires like you know that's how they do it in twilight and so it's funny yeah. how they do they do seem to consume vampire media mm -hmm. but somehow fail to get any practical advice or realizations out of it they only yeah. focus in on the those sorts and of things they're only like real alleyway into you know, modern world stuff is uh, Nandor's familiar Guillermo, uh, Guillermo de la Cruz, and yeah, so he he does his best to like tell them like things that they can and can't do, and tries to teach him things. I think uh, it might be in the first season where he teaches them about internet. Yeah, but there's a really funny episode in the second season where uh, Nandor gets a he gets a uh, send this to 10 people or you'll be cursed forever email, <laughs> you know, just a stupid email chain. And he believes it. And they just freak out the whole episode, like trying to make sure they don't get this curse. Yeah, no, very, very good. And Guillermo is just so simultaneously so endearing. And also you just you feel for him. You know, he it's it's like a there's a lot of and I think it ties into vampire literature pretty well. There's a lot of longing mm -hmm. in these characters 
Mm -hmm. you know, you have Guillermo longing to become a vampire and having a sort of a, you know, uh, almost a romantically abusive relationship with Nandor. Yeah. You have the relationship between Laszlo and Najee that's clearly very off. And then, of course, um, Gregor, the the relationship or the, you know, the attempt at a relationship with Gregor is very funny. But then also is that the, uh, is that the parking attendant? Yeah. Jeff, uh, Jeff <laughs> Suckler. <laughs> um and and i think the the arc with with nadia and jenna is also very endearing which i had to laugh at um them dealing with larping we you and i have talked a lot about how uh, my obsession for dungeons and dragons and yeah. I, i've always said that it's a good thing that larpers are around because there is a group that is nerdier than us um and I say that with affection for LARPers, you nerds out there, because you—it's a lot of hard work. But also, I'm sure you are in on you know in on that joke too. If you want to find virgins, where do you go but a LARP meeting? <laughs> yeah, that's also yeah. They always send um, Guillermo out to find virgins just because apparently they taste the best. And some <laughs> of those feeding scenes, like I don't know how they figured it out, but they all every time there's like a vampire feeding, pretty much every time it's funny. Yeah. Well, it's cause it's just it's just so ridiculous. Like it seems like they're bad vampires when you actually break it down. Like they have these delusions of grandeur, but they're just not that good at being vampires. Yeah, they're or at least maybe not anymore. They're kind of like they're lazy. They're <laughs> clueless. They don't integrate themselves well at all. Yeah, um, like you, they if they're out and about whenever, even at night. That everybody notices them right away. Right. And there's no, you know, vampires are always thought of as being suave. But in this universe, the only people who think they're suave are like the people who are also outcasts mm -hmm. or the people that are drawn to them are also <laughs> outcasts yeah. and or raccoons, as we find out, uh, which is a very good scene. Again, Matt Berry doing the thing that Matt Berry does so well, which is just being the picture of ridiculousness. Yeah. No, I, I, I think a lot of excellent notes going on there and and the premise of two trying to take over staten island is mm -hmm. just i mean you know again you could see that being a a serious though probably poorly produced vampire movie uh period vampire movie <clears throat> it plays better as the uh at the comedy angle something that i don't think you've gotten to yeah. yet but they play it up it's a big part of the second season and I think it happens maybe at the end of the first. Um, so a little bit of spoiler alert here, but it's more just a, it's more a big plot arc. So it's not like the craziest thing. But no, give me this. Give me the spoilers. I don't want to be able to stand up for a few minutes. <laughs> Guillermo might be a descendant of Van Helsing. And because of this, he's accidentally really good at killing vampires. Yes. And he keeps finding himself in situations where he's accidentally killing vampires and doing a very good job. Yeah, I, I, I got to the end of the first season and I did like I liked that insinuation and I like how they built up to it, too, especially mm -hmm. where, you know, there's the trial of, of them. Uh, of the three, you know, being accused of killing the Baron, and and it's like, and, and Guillermo's like, no, it was me, and nobody believes him, <laughs> which is just very good. I mean, like, not even them, right? They, yeah, they, they know, they it. know they didn't do it, but they still don't believe it. Yeah, it's ex extremely good, and they, yeah, they really play that up in the second season. Um, he joins a, maybe it's a mosquito club. 
I don't know. But either way, it's like a really stupid club that he's like, oh, there will definitely be virgins and nerds here. And he goes there and he's accidentally stumbled into a front for a vampire hunting club. <laughs> so now he's a part of this vampire hunting club because he he was pretending to join. And now he can't leave because his reason for leaving would be, well, I have to go back to my house of vampires. Right. It's also very funny, too, because it's a mosquito club, which mosquitoes are also vampires. Like, yeah. It's like good yeah I think I think it is something yeah. like that. Uh, another aspect I like about it is um, this is something The Office incorporated was the mockumentary is real. Yes. I don't know. You know, they haven't like gone into the details of why there are camera people following them around. But I mean, it's pretty obvious why you would want to follow around some real life vampires. But either way, they're like the cameramen are actually there sometimes and they get left behind or they get toppled over things like that, which I think is very important for a mockumentary because that's I mean, it's not the end of the world. But, you know, like Modern Family and Parks and Rec and stuff, they never explain that they're being filmed. It's just, right. they're just using the benefits of the mockumentary without doing any of the work of explaining away a documentary crew. Well, and I mean, they're, they're taking all the right notes from Christopher guest, who was like essentially the creator of the mockumentary and, you know, um, and, and doing all the right things. I agree with you. It's, it's if you're going to go to that format, you need to, you need to do the work to make it pay off at least every now and again. Yeah. Cause I mean, otherwise you're just, you're just using the cutaways to make jokes. Right. All the direct addresses are funny, but if you don't tie it... And then, like, in the moment where um, where Laszlo says, you know, is talking about Nandor and says, don't you let him see this? <laughs> I also just... That kind of stuff, that breaking of the third wall, it's very good. Very, very good. Yeah. One joke uh, from the second season that I really enjoyed, they get invited, and this one, had this episode has a lot of their great like fish out of water stuff because they get invited to a party for the Super Bowl. Yes. And they keep, as they're approaching it, they keep talking about, where's the owl? I want to see the superb owl. We're having this superb owl party. And they think they're going to like meet some sort of owl. Because if you, you know, if you separate Super Bowl in a certain way, it's a superb owl. And I, I thought that was just a really clever joke that they put in there and basically just form the whole episode around it. Oh, I also think it's really wonderful. And I, and that plays into this well, how the show still manages to take all these different supernatural elements. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. like the werewolf episode. Um, you know, I, I like the, uh, the werewolves are big in the movie too. Yeah. Well, and, and, uh, in the second season, the, the ghosts, like the seance to summon a ghost, which is just, which becomes, you know, ends up being Gregor. But I just think it's really neat how they they do all this comedy based on the mundanity and the the uh the anachronisms and then also give them the ability to do these like crazy supernatural things yeah like i mean it's a joke that he yells bat but he also turns into a bat and still flies away precisely they even a lame vampire is a pretty cool vampire which is something this show does really well we talked about a lot of the cast so far Mm -hmm. but i wanted to talk about uh, Baron Afanas, but they always say with that really strong accent. Um, mm. So he's played by an actor named Doug Jones. You and I, 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 I mentioned this to you briefly, but I didn't want to spoil anything for you. Yeah. Um, so Doug Jones is the Baron, and you've seen Doug Jones in lots of things, but would never recognize him because he always plays these super heavily made up, and by made up, I mean like makeup, practical effects characters. Mm-hmm. So, what point during this should I look up Doug Jones? Not at all, because I'm about to tell you everything you need to know. 
So right. Doug Jones was also, you've seen Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. He's the fawn, and he is uh, the eye monster in that. Okay. As soon as you mentioned Pan, Pan's Labyrinth, I was like, well, he's probably going to be the eye monster. Yeah, and he also, so he's both of them, and then he's also the um, the mermaid in The Shape of Water, or the merman, okay. I should say. Yeah. He he's also been. I mean, he's been also in things like Hellboy and you know, Star Trek and things like that. He's basically if you watch a movie and there is per, clearly a person in really heavy makeup who's doing really big acting, it's probably him, or there's a really good chance it's him. So I just kind of goes back to your this is mocap, but your theory about Andy Circus, yeah, uh, that he every actor <laughs> is actually Andy Circus just doing mocap. Which could still be true. I mean, you know, the the movie industry could be lying to us. And especially now in this time of Corona, it would be a perfect time to just have Andy Serkis play every character. It would be, yeah, just throw him a mocap suit and they'll just go out there and act and then they just, you know, just animate everything around them. So another thing I like that they play with is that they actually, you know, they talk about the the really late history stuff, like where they're from. But then it's also alluded to the fact that they've been in Staten Island for a pretty long time, especially 200 for years. a human. Yeah, so they have living humans who are like elderly who see them and are like, hey, you look just like, like exactly like this person I used to know 60 years ago. Yeah. And they, they play that up. Uh, they do it in the first season where, is it Nandor who has the old girlfriend that's like in the retirement home? And he like keeps flying up to her window. Uh, it's a descendant. It's one of his descendants. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, she's because she, okay. he finds out they take DNA tests, and he finds out that he has like what is it, two hundred thousand living descendants or something, and that one of them lives <laughs> in Staten Island. Yes, and yeah, he yes, visits, I've... and and she when she dies, he kill accidentally kills her. She dies of a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, because she sees him through the window, just floating there. Right. I mean, you can't blame. I was just going to say that trope of floating in windows is also anytime they do it, it is good comedy. And I'm especially thinking because of, they do it from they do it from the low angle outside. Yeah. And it's like he's treading water. What? but He's in air. Well, yeah. and also the where uh, the first time we see Jeff and he's in his in apartment in his apartment and his face is being lit by clearly a phone screen. And then there's some motion going on, you know, <laughs> the, the suggestion of what he's spending his free time doing. Yeah, it's very, very funny. <laughs> In that uh, in that in that superb owl party episode, they're invited by their neighbor, and the neighbor it's like a it's like a multi generational home. Yeah. So at one point, Nadja is upstairs, and she runs into the grandmother, who the grandmother remembers playing with her as a kid because they've lived next door. Right. With each other for years and years. And yeah, that's just like another because she's like, you look just like the girl who used to live next door. And then Nadja gets pissed because she finds a piece of her jewelry in the grandmother's room. Yeah. That she stole 50 years ago or something. I think it's neat. And I mean, Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement have obviously proven their chops just as like, uh, no pun Mm -hmm. intended, just as like... um, great comedy writers and like having these really original ideas but you also have to the credit that has to be given to them for thinking of all of these things like Mm -hmm. sitting whatever that that brainstorming session must have been incredible because they're just like rattling out these brilliant ideas about vampires 
that yeah popular media has tackled some of these you have to think that they had an interest in vampires previous to creating these characters oh i think there's a lot of guillermo probably in them personally that like yeah and that saw antonio banderas you know the first hispanic vampire <laughs> which i thought was um you hear conversations in when films feature people of color in roles in ways that they've not been featured before. And you hear fans talk about like, Oh, it's really cool to finally see somebody from my group in a big yeah. role. And that opens up uh, and you know, a pathway for people in those groups to actually look into the history of these kind of characters. Cause it's, yeah, it's like a classic character, like a vampire. And then you finally see, you know, somebody, it looks like you in the role. And I think it's interesting how normally the thing that we hear is that, oh, that encouraged me to get into acting or filmmaking. In mm -hmm. this case, gi encouraged Guillermo to get into servitude to a vampire, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is just very, I don't know. Something about that idea just seemed like a really, um, the show is good at taking your expectations and twisting them in, in ways that, yeah. again, the brainstorming session had to have been brilliant for this this kind of stuff yeah the melding of yeah ideas from different things that are true in real life and putting them all together and then circling around this mockumentary of, of you know four vampires living together yeah so on that note like famous vampires the when they do that council that they meet up with at the end of the uh first season with like tilda swinton yes. danny trejo <laughs> that i was like that's they don't like make it like super obvious right away and like as you're watching that scene you're realizing that like oh these are all cameos of people who have played vampires famously in movies precisely yeah it's it's very it's good and again the show is subtle in ways that the characters in the show are not mm -hmm. which is really wonderful um, but yeah, to see all these people who've been in these big vampire movies reprising those roles. And then of course to see, uh, you know, Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement there as well, uh, who to, are, who to are reprise their roles from the movie precisely to be the New Zealand vampires that are in the, the, the vampire council, uh, is excellent. Again, really that's good a, little nods on that. That's something, a uh, point I kind of want to get into get to and this is a, an open door to that it's cool that they made this and it's you know roughly the same story and it's a, really the same idea as the movie but they didn't just take the characters and hired different actors to play the exact same characters right it's not These, a remake yeah and i think that's something that uh i would really appreciate more when they're doing remake reboot that kind of stuff yeah. is change the medium uh make it and they, they've started to do this a little bit and you see it but like i think it's cool when you take a movie and you go to a tv show because a tv show has different expectations and different things you can do you can introduce so many more characters a show i've been watching recently that just uh, got put on netflix it was originally on whatever youtube streaming yeah. was uh cobra kai yeah and i'm a big fan of the karate kid movies but it's you know in the karate kid movies there's only really at least the first one there's only really like six characters in the whole movie so it's cool to that they can go and put you back in this world that you know that i was pretty invested in when i've seen the movies and really expand it and 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 make it so much larger add in so many characters create dynamics and um dive like 
diversify the dynamics because Cobra Kai is, you know, it flips it where you're seeing it from Johnny Lawrence's eyes as an adult. Right. And now Danny LaRusso is like the super successful guy. And I just, when you're thinking about rebooting something, maybe give, give a thought to making it a TV show. Uh, like the Blade Runner movies have such a big world and everything. Now you probably, you wouldn't have gotten Harrison Ford to do a TV show, but maybe that would have worked better as a TV show instead of trying to make another movie 40 years later. Sure. Which they tried to do step one of the, this idea, which is set it in the same universe and have it happen at a different time or take the premise and have it happen at a different time, but mm-hmm. failed in the fact that, yeah, I mean, they could have, I also think the way that, uh, the way that our culture is looking you know, you used to think of as a film as the more prestigious medium, but especially mm-hmm. with people staying in and not wanting to go out to theaters. And obviously we've talked on this show before about how movie theaters and the movie industry are having to change how they think of these things. Yeah. You you can guarantee in the time of Corona that an audience is going to have a better shot of watching your whole TV show and sitting down and binge watching it than they are. Uh, sure you know, making a movie out of it. So I think well, we talked about this after the DC fandom episode, like the Zack Snyder, the Snyder cut should just be a mini series. Right. And why not? Like, why not? <laughs> this is the perfect time for that. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, the, the, the Irishman, the Scorsese movie, like I get it. Scorsese, you're a movie director, but you made a four hour long movie. It's not a movie. Well, agreed. But I also think he realized that this is an opportunity to make a, a movie that he could never get greenlit for a theater. You could mm-hmm. never get a four-hour movie greenlit for a theater. Yeah, they. I mean, they'd make him cut out at least an hour. Precisely. So uh, he had Scorsese, who you think of as being this auteur director, like mm-hmm. had the right idea about, you know what? I have a streaming service. If people want to pause my movie in the middle, they can do that. <laughs> yeah, so. I did that. I watched that movie. We went to bed in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> There's... I was like, wait, what do you mean there's still an hour and a half left? Yeah. And we haven't talked too much about this. Like, I'm not a person. You obviously uh, are a person that goes to the movies more. I mean, that's it. You like the experience of going to the movies. I really don't. I prefer to watch things in the comfort of my own home and be able to get up and get a snack break or, you know, bathroom break or whatever. So I'm I'm all for it, man. Let's let's tell the let's tell the studios movies. All of them go to streaming. (laughs) <laughs> make miniseries, <laughs> make television shows. We're good. I mean, we talked about this in one of our previous podcasts. It's seemingly coming. And as this, you know, the stay at home stuff extends for now, we're in like month six, six of it practically. Yeah. Uh, they're starting to do it. I mean, Mulan getting, it got originally pushed back twice and now they're just putting it on Disney plus. Yeah. Which that's a whole other can of worms, but um yeah. <laughs> I will say uh, we can stop tangenting in one second, but in watching uh, what we do in the shadows and having to watch the commercials because it's, you know, Hulu, um, yeah. I saw they had lo- love in the time of Corona, which of course is a play on love in the time of cholera, um, huh. which is clever. I, I, I know nothing about it except that I know it's that. <laughs> speaking, speaking of clever titles, this just reminded me of this. Jen and I were talking about it's going to be crazy, you know, in a year when there's going to be so much media made about 
you know, quarantine, yeah. coronavirus and all this stuff. And we were coming up with, uh, with names and we're like, Hallmark's definitely going to make some <laughs> of their movies. It's going to be the same plot it always is, but somehow they're going to relate it to this quarantine time. And she had the better idea that it's like two people who just meet and then they're separated by the quarantine and they have to find each other somehow, but they can't go out. But I was a big fan of my name. I, w- I said we should call it COVID's Arrow. Oh, man. (laughs) 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 That's very clever. I applaud you. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway. So now that we've sufficiently gotten off topic, rounding back around. (laughs) Yes. Watch what we do in the shadows. It's on FX or FXX. um, Or FXXXX. Yeah, but it's also on Hulu. So if you have a Hulu subscription, check it out. It's hilarious it's worth waiting through the extra hulu commercials for well yeah so i i agree wholeheartedly i mean it's it's an easy watch it's the episodes are tv length episodes so you're looking at you know 25 28 minutes somewhere in there um so it's a a fast watch it's a fun watch and you're gonna laugh which for a person that apparently does not know jokes or humor (laughs) i laughed literally out loud so anyway um that wraps it up, I think, for us on Nerd Association. Uh, we'd like to know what are some great, especially streaming shows, that you want to, to recommend to us to talk about, especially with the Emmys coming up. There might be something that uh, you want us to talk about where you know that's been nominated for Emmys. You can reach out to us on Twitter at NerdAssoc. That's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. As always, you can email us with some topic ideas, some feedback. Maybe you want to be one of our nerds. You can email us at nerdassoc at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with you next week. 